this is Philippe Ball, and I want to welcome you to my introductory episode of Bass Case. It's a podcast series for bass players. And the introductory ones, the first of the series, are going to be very basic, especially this first one. Uh, It's basically based on mistakes and experiences I've had as a bass player for the last 40 years and some of the mistakes that I try to keep my students from having. And I'm just going to share them with the uh, digital world at large. And the first one is just based on the title, Things You Should Have in Your Base Case. But subsequent episodes will be on more uh, performance topics, such as how to practice and developing bass lines and who to listen to and getting resources online. You know, there's a lot of resources, some good, some bad. And I hope to have some other players on here, you know, former students of mine that have learned some things from me. And, uh, but this first installment is literally the title of the podcast, Base Case. And it's things that you should have in your base case or what we now call our gig bag. And I'll just start from the beginning. Your cable. You should have three cables. Three quarter inch instrument cables. And I say three because you should keep two of them with you at all times. Those two should be in your base case. The third one is the one that's hooked up to your practice amp or the rig that you're using at home. I can't, it's indeterminable the amount of times that a student's come up to me or a player's come up and said, I left my cable at home. And it's because it's that getting ready for the gig or the rehearsal or the audition and we leave the cable plugged into the amp. So keep two of them with you. And in case one goes bad, then you have another one. And and it's also good in another way, too. If there's a signal problem, then the first thing you can check is your cable because you have a second cable with you. And don't scrimp on it. This is something you want to check around. There's a lot of good brands. I'm not going to tell you which brand to buy, but find the ones that work. I've bought some name brands that weren't so good. So it's something you don't want to scrimp on. It's one of those things that can really... Uh, derail a rehearsal or performance so two two cables in the bag one at home now the second thing and this is really important i don't see this often enough particularly with upright players is to keep an extra set of strings with you in that in your gig bag in your base case Uh, strings will break at the most unusual times and i've heard a player say, well, I just changed my strings recently. A few years ago, I was on a theater gig and opening night, and after the overture, the A string, which is an unusual string in general to break on a bass, it's usually a D or G, but the A string snapped. And I had enough time, luckily, but and also luckily, I keep an extra set with me. And so always keep an extra set. If you're like me, you change your strings regularly, so you have used strings laying around. Keep those around, too. Another player might need them, but definitely something you want to have. Now, the third one, and this one sometimes ends up in a bass case, but sometimes people use their phones, and it's the tuner. There's the clip-on tuner versus phone tuner debate. I'm a big fan of the clip-on tuner, although at times I do use my phone to tune. The problem with using your phone to tune when you're in a rehearsal or gig situation is that it's going to catch all the extraneous sounds of saxophone players and drummers and pianists tuning and getting ready. The clip-on tuner is going to grab that note, and it can also stay. If you're an upright player, I see it more and more, especially in symphonic and with jazz players, 
to keep that tuner on the bridge and you can constantly check your tuning so and they're so cheap too it's amazing that i remember one of my first tuners was an analog tuner and i remember setting me back 25 or 30 bucks and now i'm seeing clip-on tuners that work very well for less than ten dollars so purchase one i like to have one for every base so i'm not leaving one on another base too same thing with with that we have with cable problems uh, sounds small but pencils keep a few on you you're going to need them at some point and i it's also indeterminable the amount of time amount of times that i've heard somebody whisper next to me can i borrow your pencil there's something that's going to have to be penciled in or a cut made so keep pencils on you mechanical or preferable because the nub will break off your regular pencils keep two or three buy a box of them and throw them in your gig bag uh related to that notation paper you know now you know we used to have to buy it now you can get it online for free and print up your own but keep that on you too even if you don't read or notate music it's still good to put that as far as using uh, when you have to write your chord changes down or just any ideas. It just makes you look more pro, too. So notation paper, preferably like a 10 or 11 stave, too. Speaking of extra things to keep around, most, I guess every bass, and it seems like more and more, I, I rarely see passive EQ bases anymore. I, I have one, and it's a uh, godsend to me sometimes because I don't have to change the battery. But the battery has to be changed, and it'll choose to want to be changed in the worst time. It's almost like a child. So keep a steady supply of 9 volts in your gig bag. And I guess the, the battery industry knows about musicians, so 9 volts tend to be the pricier of all the batteries. Shop around and just find where the sales are. I have my favorite grocery store where I find them for sale from time to time, and I stock up on them, and they get used. You might be, end up being a very handy guy by having that extra 9 volt for somebody else too, just like having that extra cable around. I saved a few guitar players and keyboard players' lives, a couple sound men's lives too, by having an extra cable. Uh, so do that. A stand light. Sometimes I remember playing on a steamboat in New Orleans and there wasn't enough stand lights to go around. And I had to, I was set up near a light that was on the wall, but it wasn't bright enough. And my head was in my stand most of the gig. And I remember thinking, if I survive this, I'm buying a stand light. Now I have three of them and I keep them around. Battery powered are great, but again, keep some extra batteries around because they are very handy to have a stand light around. Keeping two around is really good too. I saved a keys player's life one night with mine. Uh, one of the things, it's not going to fit in your gig bag, but you should own one, and it's a music stand. Even if you play in rock bands and you go to the rehearsal with the music stand, you're better off because you're going to have to take some notes. You're going to have to take notes on the set order or notes of how the tune comes in or out. It's good to have. And in the world that I work in, which, is, which we deal with a lot of sheet music, a music stand is necessary. Uh, I've gone on gigs and 
somebody didn't bring their music stand and you see the saddest things happening. They're using the floor as a music stand and having to look down or they'll use a chair forward facing and uh, they've got the music propped up on that and it's sad looking and for 40 bucks I, they probably would pay 400 at that point for a music stand just to get out of that hassle. Um, the final thing that I want to talk about and it it's the thing in your gig bag that's most important. It's your base. I have many, many students, and I come from a time period where we went to the music store or we bought a musical instrument from a person and checked it out first. Now people are buying online, and it seems to be working well. But know one thing, that when you buy that bass guitar online and you get it in your hands, it's not ready to go. It's not gig ready. It's not rehearsal ready. Generally, the strings are too high, and the solution for this is to find a good luthier. That's the guy that's going to fix and re- and set up, more importantly, your bass. Uh, the problem is there's not a lot of them, and the good ones are always backed up with work. But the important thing is is to get that new bass over there to be set up and when i say set up meaning they check the string height and then which in most cases when i see these new bases the string height is so high i can't even believe that these guys are actually playing these bases and then on top of that they need to they do a strobe tuning and that is when you your a string according to your tuner may be in tune but as you go up the fretboard the notes become more and more sharp or flat, and they have to be strobe tuned. Now, this is already an unworkable situation in live when you're playing live, and you can kind of get away with it, but when you go into the recording studio and that's happening, it's going to be a big problem because things are going to be out of tune, and there's not much that you can do about it. So when you find that luthier, take your new bass over there and then get to know them, and at the very least, at the very least, Every six months, take that bass in and have the strings changed. And bring your, with mine, I bring my strings with me. And the reality, the last time I was over there a few weeks ago, or two months ago, he held on to my bass for three, three weeks. He was backed up with that much work. Luckily, I have two. I rotate three electric basses out. So every two months, I'm over there with a different bass so that everything is working right So for the gig. And that's really important to do that. One more thing, and it's just that keeping a three-ring binder, not in your gig bag, but at home, and keeping all your music together to throw in your gig bag is the most important thing that I can think of that that my students do. When I see one of my students do that, I know that they've had some level of experience. Uh, Don't be that guy that opens the pocket of your your, uh, base case and pulls out sheets and they're in different order buy the three ring hole punch and buy the one inch binder and keep your music in order and these are just little things that will make your life already a lot easier on a tough gig being a bass player which is not that easy to do sometimes so be on the lookout for me it was good talking to you and uh, be on the look for my subsequent podcast, and I'll be showing you some other things, such as uh, why you call a blues as the first tune on a set, or uh, uh, how to learn chord changes very quickly, and how to practice. So, as I said, I'm Philippe Baugh, and this is Bass Case, and I'll be seeing you soon. Thank you. Mm-hmm.